0: Early Monday morning, our son, Darden, he's a senior at UT in Knoxville, texted me, and uh, he said, I have uh, tested positive for type A flu, and uh, he's on Tamiflu, etc." Within less than an hour, I got a call from Lisa to say that Sally, our 16-year-old, who's at Franklin High, had just tested positive for strep and the flu. This is on Monday. And uh, so, you know, on, on those flu things, I, I, it happens, right? We go to the flu season every year, and uh, I'm not, generally that concern, but I was a little more concerned this year. Why do you think I'm a little more concerned this year? Yeah, it's the the severity of the flu season. And, you know, no laughing matter is, uh, you know, so many, three times the number of children have, have died, you know, infants, et cetera, this year. And, and, and I think many, many more adults. So it's very, very serious. And it got me going down a path of one well, of these things. Uh, I wonder what the big uh, diseases were or you know, epidemics that have uh, plagued the history of the, of the world. It seems we go through these every year. And I've got the top three. The first one's the Black Death. It's, uh, it was 14th century. It killed 20, uh, 25 million in Europe in four years. Four years, 25 million. Some think it went as high as 200 million and you know, wiped out half of, of Europe's population. It was the bubonic plague. That was what, this was the Black Death. And then in 1918, there was the Spanish plague 50 million killed, and then one I'd never heard of, the plague of Justinian, it was in 541. So 541, this is a long time ago. 25 million uh, in Eastern Rome were killed, and it was estimated in Constantinople that 10,000 people were dying a day in that plague. But there is a more lethal disease than all three of these combined. In fact, there is a a disease that has killed more people since the beginning of the history of the world than all diseases combined. Some of us in the room have it now. Uh, We all actually... Uh, have added at some time, uh, family and friends and neighbors, people we work with, study with, play with, are dying of, of this disease. And uh, just so you know, I'm not I'm not going to pop it on you and say it's called sin. I'm talking about something else. I don't know that there's a more clear and compelling picture of it than what Susan just read a moment ago in Acts chapter nine, verses one to nineteen. It. It's the conversion of Saul, who would become the apostle Paul. If you have your Bibles, that's the next place we are in our study through the book of Acts. So take your Bibles and open them to Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 19. This is our study in plan A, which is the church, and it's the church through the book of Acts. Probably the most familiar conversion story, wouldn't you say, in the Bible, Um, the Saul, who becomes the Apostle Paul. I'm not going to spend a lot of time explaining it, you all, because she's read it. I'm going to read it again. And, and really, because it's just pretty straight there. It's, it's very clear. It's un, uh, easy to understand. And what I'm going to do, just so you know, I'm going to move us to how does his story shape our story today? That, that's where we're going to go um, The last time we heard from Saul was chapter eight, verses one to three. So by way of context, let's keep in mind that there we noted Saul uh, was at the stoning of Stephen and held the coats. And he says later, I I was in agreement with the stoning. So Stephen is stoned. Great persecution breaks out in, in one through three of chapter eight. It says that he was ravaging the church in Jerusalem. You all, this was literally... Uh, religious, spiritual house invasions. Knock the door down, grab the people if they're Christians, take them out, and ultimately many were killed. He'd done that in Jerusalem long enough that he now felt he needed to go beyond Jerusalem and knew of Damascus, which is 140 miles Jerusalem, 140 miles northeast, seven days journey. He's gonna go there and he's gonna do the same thing. Now he's gotta get some papers in order to have the authority to grab these people who are following Christ and bring them back uh, to Jerusalem. And this is where we pick up the story and I'm gonna read it again because do you know the book of Acts tells this story three times? how important it is. It's told here as it happens. And then Paul's going to tell it again from his own view in chapter 22 and 26. We're going to read it again. I'm not going to make a ton of comments because it's there. and I'm going to make two observations. Follow along your Bibles. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, first time this has been used, didn't call them Christians, called them people belonging to the way. Probably Jesus when he said, I am the way, the truth and the life. Both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he was traveling, it happened, he was approaching Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. I want you to stop there, and I wanna remind us that Saul had not touched Jesus in the sense of, he had not done anything to Jesus in his mind, but the fact that he touched a Christ follower was literally to touch Jesus himself. Let's keep that in mind as we speak of one another, how we treat one another. And I'll go a step further. The church is made up of the people of God together. So when we start saying things about a church, I mean, I'm trying to catch myself in this. You know, I, I wanna be careful what I say about the church, people, because it is to say that very thing about Jesus, inseparable. And he said, "Who are you, Lord?" He said, "I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but get up and enter the city, and it will be told what you must do." The men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing, and leading him by hand, they brought him into Damascus, and he was three days without sight, and neither ate. Nor drank. I just want you to have the picture that Luke is giving us here. Saul is going to Damascus in order that he can take those who follow Christ, bind them, and then lead them back to Jerusalem. And in this story, we find that before he ever goes into the city, he is bound in blindness and must now be led into the very city. What a picture! the work of God in this story and in his life. Now another person comes on the scene and we don't even think of this guy very much, but oh my, where would we be were it not for this man? Verse 10, now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord, and the Lord said to him, "'Get up and go to, the, go to the street called Straight "'and inquire at the house of Judas "'for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. "'He has seen in a vision a man named Ananias.'" It's like vision within vision. He's, he's seen this vision of a man named Ananias to come in and lay his hands on him so that he, he might regain his sight. <laughs> Excuse me, but Ananias answered, "'Lord, I have heard from many about this man.'" how much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And we all know already he's here and he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. The Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument, the words vessel. You'll see this in Paul's writings about vessels. He's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. And there you have an outline of Paul's life. He bore witness before Gentiles, kings, and Israel for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias departed and entered the house and after laying his hands on him said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming has sent me that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question here. Saul saw a great light, but we also know very clearly that that light was who? I'm not, not, I'm not trying to trick you. Who was the light? And there's some measure by which we know Paul later says he received the gospel from Jesus himself. He saw Jesus. So understand that this light, while blinding and bright and all those things, it was Jesus. He, and, and here, Ananias is saying, you know, Jesus appeared to you. It wasn't just some fireball. It was Jesus, and he sent me that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight. And he got up and was baptized. And he took food and was strengthened. I only want to make two observations. I mean, we read that and go, "Wow." The first is this, and, and we're going to come back to it. But we, as Americans, or you know, whatever your nationality, we, we as Gentiles. Removed from the context itself and removed from those days of uh, Judaism, we just cannot get in our minds the uh, the monumental obstruction, the 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 Mount Everest of of reasons why not to believe that was residing within this man Saul, and reasonably so. You know this 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 man Saul, he you know he knew his Hebrew scripture. We'll talk about that in a moment, but. Deuteronomy is the third most quoted book in the New Testament, and he knew Deuteronomy. Trust me, they knew, they, they, y'all, they memorized these books in Hebrew. He knew it, and he knew that there was a Messiah coming, but he also knew this from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 21, 23 says, "'Cursed is anyone who is, anyone who hangs on a tree.'" Now, he knows that, Now, when it says hangs on a tree, it's not like Judas when he was hung by the tree per se, it's it, that is hung on wood. You hang by wood, you're cursed. That, you, are of, you are cursed of God if you hang by wood. And so Saul knows that. And uh, he can't get over it, and I don't blame him. How can my Messiah, because the disciples are saying Jesus is Messiah, how can my Messiah be cursed of God and die on wood? Do you see that? Hold that, because it's, it's a big, big, deal. Secondly, I I want us to to, to stop for a moment and and there's much we could discuss here, but let me offer you a little picture of the Christian life that we see in the life of Ananias. And this is, I think it's really practical for us today. Ananias, when when told to go talk to Saul and and, uh, he, he said, whoa, wait a minute. I know all this stuff about the man. What he knew about Saul was not conjecture it was not, you know, some people say this man does this. It was a fact. So, so I want you to hear, watch this. Life itself was telling Ananias, this man is a killer. This man has come here with papers to get Christians. He will take them back to Jerusalem and they will likely die there in Jerusalem. This is a fact. This, do you see what I'm saying? And so he's got that in front of him. And then he's got this. Jesus said, Go. is this this not life? I mean, is this not your life every day, my life every day? That life is like, I don't think so. Open your mouth. There's no way that'll, I can't do, take a step of faith. See, this is just, and I just live in the Christian life. Life's gonna tell you one thing, and then there will be a voice, the Holy Spirit, Jesus himself, the word of God, that says this which will you and I choose? Boom, there's the Christian life in a nutshell. And this man chose faith. Okay, got all that, Lloyd. I'm still waiting to hear, what is this disease that has killed more people than every disease in the history of the world? Religion. Religion. Uh, this is what's so clearly described in the conversion of Saul. What do we? What is this? What's this story about? It's about this story is about religion, and you go, "This is crazy." You can't talk about religion and be teaching the most religious book in the land. Well, I'll start with a definition. Religion is. Our best effort to reach God. That's called that's what religion is. And I'll show, I'll prove it in a moment. But religion is man's best attempt to be acceptable to God. It's what we do to be acceptable to God. That's that is religion. Now, take the the, the great religions of the world: uh, Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, Judaism. This is This is a a fact. Hindus, they work towards spiritual perfection through devotion to to deities, through meditation, dedication to ceremonies and rituals. That's a fact. Uh, Buddhists strive, they're they're striving to attain the purifying of the self by religious principles, by doing things and by meditating. It's a fact. Uh, Muslims, believe that when you die, you will either be with Allah or not with Allah based on how well you follow the the five guidelines. I mean, it's a fact. Either you do them or you don't, you're in or out based on what you do. And Judaism, even even to this day, and certainly in in here, you understand that that, that Paul is following 613 rules based out of the Old Testament that he believes you do them or you don't. And I'm telling you, if you either do them, you're acceptable to God, you don't, you're not. That's, that's Judaism. Is everybody with me on this? It's, it's what religion is. And you go, well, what about Christianity? And I say, well, uh, Christianity is not religion. It's not. Not according to the definition. Christianity is the only belief system in the entire world, not about our best effort to reach or to be acceptable to God. And by the way, let me say this the Bible, men and women, is not about religion. This Bible is not here to show you, you know, you got to do this in order to be acceptable or reach God. That's not what it's about. The Bible, think about this the Bible is about not religion, but relationship. It's about God creating the world to be in relationship with man and woman, with humanity. That's what Genesis says. And then the Bible goes on to show us that that relationship was broken. It was broken. And then the rest of the Bible, you all, is all about how God chooses to make a way for humanity to be back in relationship with him. Is that pretty simple? That is the story of the Bible. Not just to be in relationship with him now in time, but to be in relationship with him, you all, forever and ever and ever after we physically die on the planet. That is what the Bible is about now. With that said, it is chock full of stories about religious people. (laughs) It's loaded. With these stories about people trying to do things to be acceptable to God, okay, and the—I don't know—the one of the premier ones we've just read about, Saul. I want you to close your Bibles. I want you to put your pens down. Uh, you're not going to need them for what we're where we're going. Um, we know this story. I am trying to help us understand that this is a story about the most religious man on the planet coming into a relationship with God because God loves him. That's that's what the story is. And in this story, I wanna say we all find our story. And some of you go, well, I didn't have a Damascus Road experience. No, you didn't because there was only one. And your conversion to faith is as unique as your fingerprint, gang. It is. But there are some underlying principles in this story that are true of all of us if we've trusted Christ. And with that, I want to invite you to think about it in this way. How many of you remember um, in, I don't know, junior high, I know I had this. And in middle school, the, the rope that hung from the rafters in the gym. Do you remember this? In gym class, you had the rope. Man, I hated that rope, man. That big, thick thing. You know, I could barely get my little hands around it. I'm a 78-pound weakling all through those years. And, and, and part of passing P.E., you know, I mean, I, I grew up in military. I don't know if it's on all schools, but a military bases is you got to run that mile. You got to do those ups whatever. And you got to, you got to. You gotta climb that rope and y'all, this is killing me. Just to do that kills me. I kid you not. Joe put a knot there just for me to hold. But you know, you wrap your legs around it and you just work yourself up. Um, I, wanna, I wanna suggest for us to think about this that um, I want you to think about this rope as religion. This rope as religion. Well, what do I mean? Well, I mean um, you have got to, this is what you've got to do. You've got to climb this rope in order to reach God. To, 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 to be acceptable to him, you've got to climb the rope. This is what you have to do. Now, some people get higher on the rope than others. We all get that. Um, but I, I want you to understand this caveat. Now, you've got to use your imagination here, but I think it, 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 it clarifies the illustration. This rope is not connected you know, every time I jump on it, all the triangles you know vibrate because it's on a pipe. It's not, it's not connected to a pipe up there. This rope, imagine this rope goes through the ceiling. It goes through the rain clouds. It goes out of the atmosphere. This rope is actually connected to the moon. And so, okay, with that in your mind's eye, and so in order to be acceptable to a holy God, you've got to climb this rope to the moon. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm being very basic with this, but this is so important because it's always basic. Who humanly will make it to the moon? How many people? Seriously, I'm asking you. You understand that? Zero. I mean, we're not stupid. None. No one can climb to the moon. Now, again, some will get further than others, but it doesn't matter. You know, you get there, you don't. Why is it that we know in our gut, no one can make it climbing the rope, but we just keep grabbing it? Why do we as human beings keep grabbing the rope? You ever thought about that? Because we'd all sit here and go, I'm not even gonna start because I can't do it. And yet we all do. You know why? I I think I may know a bit of why. Because when we have the rope of religion, salvation is removed from God's hands and it's put in whose? You see that? And I'm telling you, we cannot not grab the rope. It's just how we're we're gonna do it our way. And I'll prove that in a sense by going back to the garden. Go to the garden, it must be biblical. In the garden, Adam and Eve had a choice. You can trust me, God said, relationship, or you can grab the rope, choose your own way. What did they choose? See, picture, you know, when they take the fruit, it's saying, I'm not gonna trust God. Uh, I think that apple's good or whatever. We don't know if it's an apple. I think the fruit's good and we're gonna, we're gonna get there ourselves, okay? And they start climbing. And do you know every human being born of Adam and Eve, that's me and you, are born with the same DNA. And we come out of the womb that way. I wanna say that you and I are as addicted to the rope of religion as an alcoholic is addicted to alcohol. You cannot let go of it. I'm telling you, Paul, Saul could not let go of it. Would not, could not, until he saw the living Jesus. Wow. And can I say this in the story? Let's not miss this. Did Paul become a Christian because he was seeking God? I'm a- answer that. No. You see, salvation is about God initiating, God achieving, God accomplishing. It's all about God. It's not what we do. It's what God has done and does. Now you might say, well, Lloyd, we just read the story last week of the eunuch who was, was he seeking God? Answer the question. The only reason the eunuch was seeking God was because God was first seeking him. You all, the Bible teaches us that we are incapable of making sense of the spiritual truth unless God acts. That's what the Bible teaches. We're dead in our sin and our trespasses. I'll put it this way in Jesus. I, I'm not saying this. Jesus said this. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. End of discussion. You can't can't come to God unless God comes and puts that want within you. You see, this is what we believe the Bible teaches. And and you say, that's not fair. Well, let me just say this. If you're sitting here today and what I'm saying about the gospel sort of makes sense to you, it's like your eyes are being opened, God is bringing you to himself. Don't stop. Don't resist. So, so you can't say that's not fair. What, he's, if, if you're here today, why are you here today? Because God is at work in your life. That's the only reason you're here. Because he's pursuing you. The gospel's good news because Jesus has done for us what we could never do for ourselves. I said it earlier. Y'all, if you paid for your sin, you'd, you'd be separated from God forever. Now, remember what I said earlier that for for, for, uh, Paul, for him to think, wait, there's no way the Messiah can be cursed on a tree. There's no way. And you know what? That is a fact. The law says that a man on a tree is cursed. Paul was so high up this rope, that was so in his DNA and rightly so. And it was only when he saw the living Jesus did he see that Jesus was cursed. But not in his own sin, but because of Paul's sin. That's the light that went on. He was cursed because he was carrying my sin, not his own. Oh my, Paul was never the same, never the same. You read his letters. He let go of the rope and embrace the cross. And he would say it over and over and over. What about you? Really, I'm serious, what about you? Is it what you do or is it you've trusted what Christ has done? You know, he didn't see it, he didn't see the light until he saw Jesus and, and that's always true, it's always true, okay? Now, some of you may say, well, I've never seen Jesus. And, and I would stop and I'd say, well, I, I would beg to differ in this way. If you were here last week, I know we all weren't, but if you were here, I wanna suggest you saw Jesus. Well, what do you mean you saw Jesus? You didn't see him in body. I would suggest you saw him in this way, that when people stood up here on, spontaneously, 40 people all last week, by the way, in all three services, came up here and said, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he died on the cross for my sins and I want to be baptized and identify with him. You understand they, they couldn't do that unless Jesus lived in them, unless they had believed. What I'm trying to say is when you and I see another believer walk in faith, we, when we are cared for by another believer, you understand we see Jesus? Again, not in the body sense, as Paul would say here, but we do. So you've seen Jesus. Now, what, what do you do now that you've seen him? Now, I want us to do something that, again, we're always doing stuff that we always say a little different and this is not so different, but I'm gonna have us do something that uh, will make some uncomfortable. I feel like every week now I'm apologizing to the guests and I'm gonna apologize to you if you're a guest again. We had some people in here with some friends, first time they've ever been here in Tennessee, first time they've ever been to church and we did this, but I'll say to you, if you're a guest, I know that getting up and having to meet people is uncomfortable and, and statistics tell us that you leave when, you, when that happens. I, I get it, I, I'm an introvert. But I, but I want to say to you as a guest, it's actually a good day you're here because you got to understand that we as a church, if Fellowship is your church home, we believe, okay, the Christian life's not about being comfortable. Now we want to take care of you and honor you as guests, but it's just not what we believe. About. We believe that we exist in order to live this word. That's why we exist. And to live the word of God, we, uh, we, we move, we act, we choose, we, we bump into each other, we engage. You understand that? And it makes, us, it makes us uncomfortable. So if you're a guest, I'm sorry for what I'm about to do. And I'll say to you, it, you're not the only one uncomfortable. There's, everyone in the room gets uncomfortable when we take steps of faith. With that said, I want everyone to stand and um, we're gonna do this, and I'm gonna give you 10 minutes. There's no rush. And I'm gonna ask you to do something. If you were here last week, you, you, you can answer these questions, and if you weren't, you can answer them. Why would we take time to do this? Because the people of God, when God, you know, when God did something, a milestone, did something unique in, a, in a, his people, they marked it. Uh, I'm not trying to do this to go back and relive last weekend. I'm not at all. But I am having us do something right now to, I want you to remember that. I want you to remember the last three weeks, quite frankly, and what God has been doing amongst and among us. And the way we're gonna do that is we're gonna talk about it. I had my small group Wednesday night, our fellowship group. We have dinner every time we're together and I could, it was like holding back stallions. I was trying to get them to not talk about the weekend so that we could talk about some other things first and then we got to talk. I'm gonna invite you to talk with one another about what happened. Not to make, it's not about us, it's about what God did. And I've got three questions I want you to ask. The first is, what did you see? What did you see when you saw people get up, move, step, take steps of faith, things they said, whatever? What did you see? And then this is really big. Um, What did it stir in your heart? Hear me on this. To live the Bible, Now, some of you go, you know, I just don't feel things. I'm not emotional. I'm just gonna tell you something. When we live the Bible, Jesus says we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. It's not, we, living the Bible is not knowing it. It starts there, but it's living it. It's your affections and your deep desires, your longings, what stirs. The word does that in us and we act out of that. Are you with me here? I'm not trying to get emotionalism here. I'm trying to say, it's the whole life. That's who we are as a church. So what'd you see, what did it, what did it stir in you? And then out of that, you see, we always ask what step of faith might you take? If, that, if you saw that stirred in you, what, what step of faith is God inviting you to take? Is everybody with me on that? I'm gonna give you 10 minutes to talk with some people around you, do not talk to your spouse or a good friend. It's someone that you don't know as well. You're gonna to have to get out of the aisles to do it, and I'm giving you the time. No one's moving. I'm giving you <laughs> the time to move and ask those three questions, as uncomfortable as that may be. The restroom. Okay, all right, everybody, everybody, uh, listen up, I did that gently, a little louder, okay, everybody, sit where you're near something, you don't have to get back to your seat, but maybe find your way back, find a seat, let's Let's do this. I want you to know, you know, if you were here last week, I assure you we will not be going to 1135 today. I don't think. (laughs) That was a record, you all. And I would do it again. (laughs) I'd do it again in a heartbeat, you know. But um, here's here's what I want us to do. This is uncomfortable and so biblical that we would speak to one another as you just did. And uh, I'm gonna invite some of you, if you would like, to... Uh, to, to share now, I want I want you to know what's coming after this. I got an email this week from uh, a young lady who just said, uh, "I want to be baptized Sunday. Tell me what to do." So we're going to baptize her. And uh, Joy Layman, if you know Joy, shared last service and said, "You know, one day I hope I have the courage of Karen." She was talking to the lady up front who got baptized. So Joy said, "Well, I'm why not today?" So we're going to baptize two people in a moment. Now, with that, we're going to talk to one another because we're going to mark a milestone. We're going to mark something that 10 years from now we'll be talking about Super Bowl Sunday. We're not going to, I promise you, you're not going to remember who won it in 2018. But we're going to remember what God did in our midst. We will remember what God did in our midst. So, with that, and by the way, yes, you can clap, Silla, and... uh, with that, you know, I've done this before and I, you know, I've done this before and I, you know, like I had to run out and run to the restroom just now. But what's interesting to me is the last time I did this and asked y'all to turn to talk to one another, I ran into Brad Taylor in the bathroom last time. And lo and behold, I run into Brad again. You know, it's like, what? wait a minute, what's going on? Every time we do this, you end up in the bathroom. It's Okay. <laughs> Who would like to share? I've got a microphone over here, over here, and right here. And I'm just gonna, a a number of you just stand up and share. What did you see? I just really want you to go there. What did you see? What did it stir? And what's the step of faith that might, that God might be inviting you to choose? Okay. Just lift your hand up and I'll, I'll get you a mic. There we go. Stand up and introduce yourself, please. I'm Diane Belbeck. What I saw was church. Mm
1: Mm-hmm what it stirred in me is that I want to see that kind of church. I want to live that kind of church. Mm -hmm. I don't want to come in and be comfortable. I don't want to come in and sit in the same place, sing the same songs, say hi to the same people. I want to come in and see
2: Jesus
0: every week. Mm -hmm. Me too. Me too. Thanks, (laughs) Diane. Over there, Joe, somebody, anybody right here? I can get the mic to you. Okay, I'm already starting to cry. Okay. (laughs) Uh,
2: My name is Jennifer, and I was here last week with my 15-year-old son. Um, I was baptized on that stage. I was saved in this room about nine years ago at 40 years of age. Um, I was the person who thought Christians were judgmental, bigoted, and thought they were better than everybody else. And I was saved in this room. And yesterday, I mean, last week, my 15-year-old son hugged me like four times during this service. And uh, I felt Jesus like I felt Jesus when I was saved in this Amen. room. And, and I just wanted to point out that there were 40 people saved in here. And we prayed for 40 nights or 40 days for this church. And... Uh, Jesus and the Holy Spirit just filled this room last week.
0: Thanks. Now, I just got goosebumps because I hadn't thought of that. Now I have said to people, I think what we're seeing is what a fruit of the 40 days of prayer and fasting, but you know, there were 40 people baptized last weekend. And, you know, I had a guy stand up here last service. We were talking and he just said to me with tears in his eyes, he just said, I just want you, I just didn't say anything, Sharon, but I want you to know since the 40 days of prayer and fasting, I've never been the same. I'm talking about a man my age who's known Christ for 25, 30 years. God at work. Who else would like to, to share? A couple more. You know, the spirit was on this side too, I think, not just on that <laughs> side, I don't know, but or in the middle somewhere, you know, that he's at work. Anybody would want to share? What did you see? Yes, brother. Um, I just wanted to say that I'm actually new here. Um, (laughs) uh, Now now this guy, so funny, he comes up up to me last week and says, "Uh, I'm my first time here, oh.
1: Um, But I just wanted to say to you You guys. Tell me your name. Oh, my name
0: is Sean Ewing. Um,
1: I'm new to the Nashville area. I just came out here in uh, September. Um but I just wanted to say that I actually thought it was pretty amazing. Um coming out here. I know you said that it was probably kind of crazy seeing something like that. You guys have never done Pull it, that but microphone up there. Um, Your I'm sorry. you're a singer. You're a musician. You can <laughs> right. get that microphone you. Um, but I just wanted to say that I, I thought it was really awesome seeing like the community, people coming together, people like just you know at different walks in their lives you know from people who've been in the community and in this church for a long time to you know the young children just everybody you know taking that step um you know they thought that was the right time and i thought it was actually very empowering it and was. Uh, i thought it was a really good experience and that's why i'm back again today good
0: sean thanks man <laughs> thanks for sharing <laughs> anybody else somebody's got okay
1: Hi, My name is Phyllis, and um, I want to tell you a quick story about what happened beyond these walls last week. Coming into church, I was praying really hard for my former brother-in-law through a previous marriage. He's 55, and found out three weeks prior that he was just eaten up with cancer. Mm-hmm. So are um, the two sisters of my ex-husband... Uh, had taken him to South Carolina, and then he had just been admitted to hospice. I mean, in three weeks. Well, actually, two and a half weeks, maybe. So I came into church just praying for him. I can't recall what songs we were singing, mm-hmm. but they were prayer songs to me, and they were all for him. Mm-hmm. And so during the service, I'm texting my former sister-in-law, Because she was there with him, and I was saying, you know, these are things you might want to share. Okay, my, this man's name is Philip. And the whole sermon was about Philip and the Ethiopian, and just everything you said. And Phil had um, the faith of a child. They, those kids lost their parents at a young age, mm-hmm. and he has been the wayfaring stranger, as we all are, really. That's right. Um, but it was just so amazing to me. And on the 40 days of prayer, I still have my bulletin sitting by my desk that has Plan A in my list of people. Mm-hmm. Philip was on my list. That's right. And so Phil may not make it through this weekend. I mm-hmm. mean, this is going really fast. But thank you so much, church, Mm -hmm. for helping church go beyond these doors and for your prayers to join my prayers and um, really affect a life that on Wednesday, um, same sister-in-law texted me that the chaplain had come by and Phil rededicated his life and Mm -hmm. gave his testimony. And uh, Mm. a friend of the family came in and sang Blessed Assurance. Yeah blessed an assurance yes. and that he tried to sing along as best he could in his mm-hmm. weakened state but just i just celebrate this man's sweet life yeah. of wondering and now knowing and going and i hope that whole hospice place fills the um wind of the chariot when he yes. goes so anyway thank you
0: wow what a story phyllis thank you Well, I would encourage you in your small group, wherever you can continue to share those stories. We need to move on to these baptisms, but I could not say it stronger than you said it. I can only repeat your words. We don't exist for ourselves. We are not here for us. We are here for those outside these walls. Don't ever forget it. And don't ever stop moving in that direction. And that story only encourages us because you understand it's always what God does. It's always what God does. It's not us per se, though he uses us, doesn't he? Well, the spirit's moving amongst us. And so uh, Christine, you coming out? Here we go. This is, uh, I'm gonna let you introduce yourself, but I'm gonna have you step in, take your shoes off there, step in that water and uh, you know, face me, and uh, boyfriend, Yes. tell me your name. Hey, I'm Jansen Milam. Make sure we're on here, are we on? Are we on here, okay. Hey, Jansen Milam. Jansen, okay. Now, this is so fun, okay? I mean, because I'm gonna tell you something, church isn't fun for me a lot of times, or for any of us, the Christian life's tough. This is worth celebrating, and we will celebrate when she comes out of this water as she shares her story with us. So Christine, introduce yourself and tell us, tell us what happened and why you're here today.
3: Uh, my name's Christine. Um, I grew up outside the church and it's been not a, a one moment of coming to Christ, but a collection of smaller moments that have accumulated this. And for the past probably 10 years, I've been ready for this, but it's just taken a long time to kind of get settled and find a good place. and um, you know, I got an email Thursday night um, describing what happened last week, and I thought, well, if this isn't a sign, I don't know what is, sitting here reading this, and immediately sent a reply and said, I, I want to get baptized on Sunday. How do I do it? Um, so here I am. <laughs> um,
0: well, how do you, you... You come on Sunday, and we <laughs> put you in the water. You know? That's how we do it, right?
3: Um, I've just been so incredibly grateful to have seen christ move in my life throughout my entire life without me even knowing it and to reflect back on those moments and been so overwhelmed the love and support i have felt through him and through prayer and through meeting other believers and conversations um, and i'm ready to give back my obedience that he's given to me and declare that love for him as well
0: i cannot get enough of this i'm telling you the stories and and the, the work of god amongst us Uh, Christine and I were visiting a a moment ago, and she works with John Austin Mays. John and Diane Mays, an elder here for many years, their son John Austin's a a veterinarian. Christine works with him, and so we were talking about my cat Ray earlier and our dog Pearl. (laughs) Ray's giving us problems. Christine's assuring me we're going to get through it. Uh, (laughs) Laughter but uh, can I say, this is uh, this is the Christian life. It's living Christ where we live, work, study, and play. It's not just in this room. It's where we go. Christine, I'm going to ask you a question. Have you placed your faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes. And do you come today to be baptized to identify with Jesus that he has saved you? Yes. Is there anything keeping us from baptizing her? No. Christine, I baptize you, my sister in Christ, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hold your nose. We are buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk in newness of life. I want you to stand back here. Stay out here. All right. Well, look who came today. Joy, Lehman, come on in here. Step in. You can stay stand. Let's stay standing. Let's stay up. Let's stay standing. You know we're not going to go super long. Come on out here. Now I want you. Uh, I want. If you know joy, you know, and even with, I want those who know, I I wish I'd have brought people up for Christine, but some of y'all come up here. Let's gather around this. Some of you know them. You don't know them. You just want to come up here and say, I'm, I'm standing with you in Christ. Come on up. Some of you come up now, please. And let's uh, gather around. We want to be with them. So joy, what I'm not, not a plant. What a joy to see you today and hear you. Joy sat in last service and um, Joy and Ken have been here a long time, but she she, uh, shared just like, you know how we just shared with each other? She stood up and shared and she commented on her dear friend, Karen, who you wouldn't know this, but last weekend when I stood right there and I said, you know, if the spirit moves come be baptized, eight o'clock service is probably about half this size this lady was the first to move. And I and I, and I I said when she was being baptized, I thought, y'all, this is a, a, a woman with all of her makeup on, dressed beautifully, and she has chosen to get up, walk in that back room in a tiny tent, put on a pair of black shorts and a black T-shirt, and come out here and be baptized. I, I really do want to know, because Joy shared, what, what was going on in your heart, Karen? Seriously, I know I didn't ask you, I wasn't, you weren't prepared for this. No. <laughs> well, what what happened last week for you?
3: It was time. Uh, the it was the time for my confession. It was the time. Yeah. My calling. Um, it had been, I said, thirteen years in the making, and so I was the eunuch. He was the messenger, and the miracle happened, mm-hmm. and it was beautiful, and it was like a homecoming, and mm-hmm. that's what fellowship is to me—home. Remember when you guys had the need wall yeah. out there? I went out
1: and thought, hmm, is there a need that I could help with? I picked up Joy's card asking for a small group to be a part of, and now she's in my small
3: group.
0: See, you, you, you're, you're, you're without words when God's at work. You, know, you just go, I don't have the words to say. But Joy, I'm gonna ask you to give us some words. Tell us what's been going on in your heart. What happened this morning that, you know, you you left the eight o'clock service or you came up to me and said, today's the day. I'll let you tell us.
1: I have been very blessed by walking with so many people that know and love the Lord. You, my husband, people in my life, and I just, after Sunday, I said no more excuses. If I can speak in front of people, for my work and for my life how can I not make this statement in this scenario of baptism because I grew up Catholic so I was sprinkled and I'm blessed I'm blessed with my background but I'm so glad to be able to make this statement today with all of you not in front of you but you're all here with me right now and I appreciate being able to share this experience with all of you Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, joy uh, i had the privilege of uh, officiating chelsea their daughter's marriage chelsea and jeremy and uh and i have the privilege of running into joy at starbucks three out of five days of the week (laughs) with your other group yes ken do you want to say a word before we do this come on up here
2: um, I'm just—I uh, feel very blessed. You know, I could clearly see the stirring in Joy's heart this morning, and you know Lloyd up there saying, you know, when you feel the feel the the call to take the step, you know you go.
0: And I'm just so proud to see you take this step. Praise God. Amen. You're gonna baptize her, I'm gonna hold these. Joy, have you placed your faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? I have. And do you come today to be baptized to identify with Jesus, to say to the world and your family here that you identify with his life, death, and resurrection? I have. It is my great joy, hold on, hold on, (laughs) to baptize you, Joy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now you're going to hold your nose there, and Kim, we're going to take her all the way under. We're buried with Christ in baptism, and we are raised to walk in newness of life. How appropriate we stand, how appropriate we would sing. Let's not leave here without expressing from the whole person, mind, soul, strength, and heart. Oh God, we're not just grateful, we are overwhelmed because we have seen Jesus. Men and women, it doesn't get any more real than this, than that, than you and I walking together. Let's express that to our God who has saved us.